Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Jess as well, also, how are you, you going? fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm good. Just get that in there. I And I'm glad to hear that, Dave. Thank and you. And I, um, I appreciate you and I love you. And Matt, you've got a lot of work to do, young man, <laughs> to win back my affection. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. A lot of work to do, old man. Oh, no. <laughs> you really told it how it is there. Yeah, we've started early and I think that's a fun way to begin. <laughs> hey, Jess, have you got uh, block fever? <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. I was starting to feel a little woozy. Um, <laughs> I think I'm coming down with a case of... I can't think of another illness. Blockitis. Blockitis. <laughs> a classic. Add an itis to anything. <laughs> Is there a test for blockitis? Yeah, they they wave a finger in front of your butt. butt in front of your butt, and if your butt follows <laughs> yeah. the finger, they go, "Oh, babe, you got a bad." My butt can't see anything. <laughs> We should explain. Block's coming up. Uh, the month formerly known as October is now known as Blockbuster-tober <laughs> or Block 
October or Block Topher Grace period. <laughs> Amongst other things, it is Block. It is the happiest time of the year. It's where on this podcast we do the biggest, most requested topics. Only a few weeks before Block begins. So it's up to you, dear listener, to uh, let us know what these topics are. We've got a short list that's been put together by our Patreon supporters our do-go-on extroverts, etc. And now we need you to vote for your favourites. This is open to everyone, this poll, and the top, I think, four, maybe five, if we annex the end of September again, <laughs> uh, will be the big block topics for uh, 2021. So there'll be a link in the show notes. Click on that and you can vote for as many of the topics as you like, all your favourites. And yeah, I'm tell you what, I'm getting pumped for block. I can't wait. I am You're also getting ripped pumped. for block. You're gonna get oh, ripped. I'm getting ripped. <laughs> I pulled out the dumb uh, the barbell set, and uh, yeah, I'm getting ripped for block. Yeah, I was doing some squats last night, and I don't have a squat rack, <laughs> and uh, so I was able to get the the barbell over onto my shoulders. Did my set of twelve. Could not get it back. Uh, was stuck for quite a while with a barbell mm. <laughs> sitting on my back. Good. Um, I think I've done some damage to my back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So my fitness regime is going strong. Yes. As long as you are ripped for block, <laughs> I don't care. I, I I'm not, might not be ripped, but I may have uh, a disc out of place. <laughs> okay. I might not be ripped, but I might be bulged. <laughs> is that something you can have with a... Yeah. I've bulged my back. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, enough of that. I've got a bulge. Block is still a few weeks away. Oh, David. In the meantime, Dave, how does this show work? Well, what we do here, Matt, is take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener. We go away, do a bit of research, bring it back to the other people in the form of a report and uh, basically inform their little minds. We listen, we learn and we laugh. Yes, we try We try to laugh. Uh, we try to listen, we try to learn. And uh, it is my turn this week to give the report to you, the SAS twins. So may God have mercy on my soul. And we always start with luck. a question. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I couldn't come up with something that had the answer to this episode. So we can just talk about it. What is the, uh, we can just talk about this. What is the worst name for a superhero? Oh, She-Hulk. <laughs> It's dumb. All right. It's real Some dumb. Are, Correct. A listener Bob, uh, messaged a, a comic book cover this week or last week where it was She-Hulk marrying Mole Man. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> what would their children look like if they choose to have children? Uh, Hulk, little Hulk green moles. moles. Hulk moles. Yeah, Hulk <laughs> moles. I'm guessing it's not She-Hulk. It is not She-Hulk. Um, it's definitely going to end in man. Yes, you're right. It's the something man. Okay, okay, okay. Let us have a crack. So is it, um, can we have a clue on what the something is? Like is it a, um, uh, I don't know. Help I can give man. you a clue. It's something okay. you, you use in water. Dirty man. <laughs> something you use in water. Soap man. Use oh, in water? Yeah, that makes more sense. Or on water. Boatman. Oh, ski man. Getting closer. Oh, oh. Uh, hoverboard, hovercraft man. Hover... Submarine man. Oh, a little bit higher on the water. Okay. Jet ski man. Hovercraft man. Dave, put us out of our misery. You want me to put you out of your misery? No, uh, I, want, oh, I really want to get it though. Uh, Duck uh, man. Paddling. Canoe man. It's kayak the, man. Kayak man. Canoe man is canoe the answer. Canoe man. Canoe man. 
Canoe Man. That's this week's topic is called The Canoe Man. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me give you a little paragraph of backstory here before we jump into the report. So on the 21st of March 2002, 51-year-old John Darwin paddled out to sea in his technically kayak from Seton Carew on the northeast of England. When he failed to show up for work, a large-scale sea search took place but recovered nothing. Was he kayaking to work? No, no he, was, he was going for a pleasure kayak. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I like how you specified sea search. Like if you just said search, we'd be like, where though? Where I mean, were they he was looking? lost at sea, but where are they looking? They're looking land? in the woods? They're looking <laughs> yeah. in the local Greg's? They went into space. And it seems that he had disappeared without a trace. <gasps> that was until five and a half years later when on December Whoa. the 1st, 2007 at 5.30 in the afternoon, John entered a London police station claiming that he had amnesia. Whoa. This is an episode of Neighbours. Harold Bishop <laughs> did this. Honestly. He drowned on the show. But then years later he turned up in Tasmania as a, uh, as a Salvation Army uh, tuba player or something. And um, he had amnesia. So do you think this? Do you think Kayak Man based his life on Tuba Man from Neighbours? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. So, of course, the question is, what the hell had happened to him for the past five and a half years? Can I have a quick guess? Went through some sort of vortex Ooh. or portal. Yeah. All right, well, we end the story here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? We've been doing this podcast for almost six years. And it will never, ever not be funny <laughs> for one of us to have a pretty early guess and the report give it a go and that's the show. Yeah. Okay, To just wrap done. it up eight minutes in. That will never not be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and the day, the day that we decide not to make that joke or somebody makes it and the other two go, ugh. Ugh. That is the day this podcast dies. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm afraid, Matt, you didn't actually quite get it right because I'm going to tell you about it. This is the story of the man or the guy known as the Canoe Man. Canoe Man. (laughs) It's a beautiful name. Beautiful name. For a boy or girl. (laughs) (laughs) Please, let me introduce you to my... Baby daughter, canoe man. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, Dave, I'd love you to meet my daughter, canoe man. (laughs) Put it there, canoe man. (laughs) (laughs) That's you being an infant. Put it there. (laughs) Hey, no, you look at me in the eye when you shake, man. Firm firm shake. Stop it. My dad literally did that. Oh. I've got uncles who used to do that to me as a kid. Yep, Dad that. did that to every every boy we knew. <laughs> Nephews, family, friends, firm handshake, eye contact, smile. I think he did it to me the first time I met him. Yeah, it sounds about right. Not <laughs> a wet fish. What is it? What's this wet fish you give me? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Dave, don't you also have a log writing joke? About trying to arm wrestle your uh, future daughter's <laughs> yeah, that's boyfriends. Right. That's right. Any any partner that is brought into my home, I, a man or woman, I will be arm wrestling them. I'll say, put it there. Come on. Put it there. Come on. To assert my dominance 
Yeah, yeah, you must. Gotta gotta get early. It's simply what must. I'm gonna do is shiv them. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. Yeah. They're bi- the biggest boyfriend or girlfriend that's brought home, I will shiv. <laughs> yeah. It's jailyard rules. I'm gonna go for what I learned in high school in my Catholic all girls school, which is um psychological warfare. <laughs> so I will be um acting it's super sweet to them, so, so nice, but then just making little undercut little jabs, little remarks that make them feel really shit about themselves. <laughs> Mother-in-law from hell. <laughs> Passing your kid's dad notes at the dinner table and then laughing about, about, the, about yes. the partner. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a cute dress, I guess. Huh. How have we got here so early? Sorry, You've everyone. You've only got a sentence out about it. Honestly, this. I was trying to get, and honestly, that was a paragraph to try and suck everyone in, trying to build a bit of suspense about Canoe Man. I'm sucked in. It worked. I'm sucked in like I'm sucked into a vortex. <gasps> exactly. Or it's a pretty wild story. A man just turns up at the police station Ooh. saying, hey, I've got amnesia. Um, my name's John Darwin. I can't remember anything for the last five and a half years. And then. But he knew his, he, he knew his name. Yeah, he was just missing a big chunk in his life. And he said, I think wow. I'm a missing person, he said. Wow. Yeah. So That's let's scary. go back, way back to the beginning. John Darwin was born on August 14th, 1950 in Hartlepool, a place where I've <gasps> eaten a pie and which Jess does not remember. Hartlepool. They're the town that killed a monkey because they thought it was a Frenchman. <laughs> Do we have a picture of this monkey? Yeah, I've got a photo with me next to it. There's two different, there's like a chimp statue. Oh. It's so funny that they, at first, the town thought a monkey was a Frenchman and then later when they commemorated it, made a statue of a different animal, a chimpanzee. <laughs> they thought a chimp was a monkey. Was it by the sea? Yes, it was by the sea. Okay, I think I remember. It was very grey and misty. Yeah, okay. Imagine that weather throughout this whole report, honestly. Okay, um, great. So in December 1973, John married Anne and the couple had two sons together, Mark and Anthony, which is funny because it sounds like Mark Antony, the Roman Mark general. Mark Antony. So they didn't choose uh, Canoe Man for <laughs> either of their boys or girls. Interesting. <laughs> he saw both sons and went, no, nah, I'll save it for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> canoe Man Jr. Canoe <laughs> <laughs> Put it there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see you interact with some children. <laughs> Put it there. Put it there. This baby's not shaking my hand. It's weird. <laughs> uh, John Darwin worked as a school teacher teaching chemistry and maths for 18 years before changing careers and working as a prison guard. Anne worked as a doctor's receptionist. And according to a relative who later gave a scathing interview for a documentary produced for Channel 4, that will, of course, link to, you can watch it on YouTube, John had high hopes and wanted to be very wealthy. He dabbled in stocks, sold things at car boot sales, which he's really going for it there. And together with his wife, they dreamed of being property millionaires. And for a while, they were doing pretty well. They had 13 properties that they let out in the town of Seaton, they let out in the town. All right, off you go, little properties. Have a good night. That's the thing. You know, a lot of property owners forget that properties need to mature at their own rate. And they need autonomy. Yeah, and part of that is letting them go out and figure out who they are. You know what I mean? And trusting they'll come back to you. 
Mm. Well, this one will not shake my hand. What I should have said is they had 13 properties that they rented out, guys. That's what I meant. You probably didn't right. get that. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Sorry, misunderstanding there. They didn't allow their properties to go and explore who they are. No, they're very uh, very conservative people. Oh, God, these two. They want to be property millionaires anyway. They've only got 13. That's like, what, 900 and... 90, wait, 987, <laughs> a lot more properties to get. 900, <laughs> 999,087 more properties. You see what I'm trying to? Yeah, yeah, I get you're, it, yeah. You're so close. I mean, you there's an error rate of 900 there, but that is okay. <laughs> and this is in the, the coastal town of Seton Carew on the northeast of England, just south of Hartlepool. And they lived themselves in a uh, a property overlooking the ocean, a beautiful view of an ocean that, to be honest, is probably never warm enough to swim in, but they can still see it. <laughs> and they were expanding their little empire when the purchase of two further properties got them into a spot of debt. Uh-oh. The rents from their tenants were no longer covering their multiple mortgages. So they did that thing where you buy one property and then you mortgage that and then you buy one off the back of that and it's like a chain. You know that thing, Jess? <laughs> Yeah, obviously. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's a classic thing. We've, everyone's done it. Everyone's done it. Well, it is risky because if if they all cover each other, then that's totally fine. But if one falls out, then uh, it's, a, it's a chain that can collapse very, very quickly. And they found the rents from their tenants were no longer covering these multiple mortgages. So they were either going to have to declare bankruptcy or come up with another way to pay their bills. And how? Does one come up with such a large sum of money so quickly? Well, how about... Kayaks. <laughs> how about fake your own death? A foolproof uh, plan that always works out super well. Okay. <laughs> and on the 21st of March, 2002, after finishing his night shift at the prison, John was seen by his neighbours paddling out to sea in his kayak. And it was a bit of a rough day out at sea, so that's why the neighbours remember seeing him go. They remember thinking, geez, why is he going now? A bit dangerous out there. He wasn't, however, seen making a return. And when he failed to turn up to work, his wife Anne reported him missing and it was full panic stations. A police plane with heat-seeking equipment, five lifeboats, two ghost, two ghost guard and also coast guard teams. Ghost guard? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know it's serious when they get the ghost card out there. Yeah, honestly. They're not <laughs> fucking about when they get ghost card, let me tell you. Honestly, I'm sick of I'm sick of these spirits playing the ghost card. You honestly, know? we get it. Oh, they also had an RAF helicopter all called to search for John. It was a sea search. All up, the sea search went for 16 <laughs> hours and cost over 100,000 pounds. And, of course, they found no trace John. John, where'd you go? The next day his canoe was discovered wrecked and Anne had the horrible job of breaking the news to their sons, Anthony, 42, and Mark, 45, that their father was dead. Well, I mean, they found the canoe. So really what she should have been breaking to them was, boys who were in your mid-40s, your father's canoe... Hang on, I've put in their ages, I think, now because there's no way that he was 50 <laughs> I was and his gonna son say, where, was 42 and 45. <laughs> no, that's how old they are now. It's an ongoing story. 
Otherwise, oh yeah, I'm like, wait, how long was how long did this uh, property venture go for? The weather is pretty cold. What I didn't up there. say was it went on for four decades. <laughs> um, There's not much to do in Seton Karu. They get to it early. He died canoeing at the age of 103. <laughs> Gone too soon. <laughs> the canoe, we mean him. Honestly, in impressive innings. So disregard their age. They are adult boys, but they've been told by their their mum, sorry, but I think your dad oh. is dead. Okay. So they're not in on it. Wait, is the wife in on it? Well, Matt, she, however, Ooh. knew he wasn't dead because she <gasps> was in on the scheme. <gasps> what had happened wow. was after paddling out of sight, John had returned to land and his wife, Anne, had picked him up and taken him to a train station and he'd travelled uh, to another county and laid low for a few days. Oh, that's amazing that they just let their kids think he was dead. <laughs> They didn't trust them, though. Those kids are rats or something? Did well, they, they get a rat vibe from the kids? I mean, they're only 42 and 45. I mean, can they be trusted? <laughs> One of did them was they, a barrister. Did they get a rat vibe from their kids? <laughs> oh, you can't trust these kids. A couple nah. of rats. Who raised them? I told him the other day not to let mum know that I was having an extra cookie and <laughs> he spilled the beans. I don't trust this rat. Can't trust this rat. <laughs> this these rat. kids, rats. Yeah, I don't know. It feels, I mean, they're obviously not thinking super logically when they're going through with a plan like this. Yeah. But wild to be like, they must have thought about it. So how old do you think the kids were approximately? Probably about 30, 30-ish. Right, so they're going to understand faking your own death by that age. (laughs) Do do you understand at 30? I don't know. I mean, I'm 31 and it's a new concept to me. But I think I'm getting my head around it. But I'm a pretty immature 31. Mm. I feel like some other people with some more life experience than me might grasp it quicker. It's hard to know, isn't it? Is this a new concept to you, Jess? Dave talked about a guy faking his own death about a month ago. Was that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a rat talking to me. (laughs) What are you talking about, rat? You wearing a wire? (laughs) What's all that recording equipment in front of you, Bob? Why are you wearing headphones talking to a microphone? Very <laughs> sus. You guys are wearing headphones talking to microphones. Oh, my God. I'm also a rat. <laughs> We're all like, we're, we're the rat king here. right here. Whoever rats first, <laughs> rat king. <laughs> so he laid low for a bit. John Darwin quietly returned to his house a couple of days later and began, began lie, lying low at the family home. What? <laughs> he and Anne lived in a three-story terrace house this is the one overlooking the ocean. They also happened to own the building next door. So John installed a secret door behind what looked like a cupboard, meaning that he could slip to the top floor of the house next door as soon as they had any unexpected visitors. He even laid a cement That's floor. Sick. So I love the, a secret door. Oh, how, it's, it was so, so, so cool. He even laid a cement floor so that the creaking floorboards would not arouse suspicion as people rented the levels below. Ah, clever. And this... This worked for a while, but it seems he got a bit bored. <laughs> so he, he decided to start going for walks in the community around what? his village. What? <laughs> I hope you put on a fake mustache. Well, he grew his hair and a long grey beard and walked with a limp and a walking stick to disguise himself whenever he left home. But it's a relatively small community yep. and all of a sudden <laughs> a, a stranger with some really noticeable characteristics, like a big beard and a lip, you'd be like, 
I see that man around a bit and I don't know where he lives or where he's come from. The town gossips would be going wild. <laughs> That's me. I'm the town new... gossip. <laughs> That's me. You're calling me up going, Matt, uh, Matt, have you seen this new man in town? You've got some competition for town's best beard. <laughs> but don't worry, your competition for best limp is... Uh, <laughs> You've still got him, babe. So this is despite living in the same house in a, a village with only 6,000 people. What? <laughs> so if he comes out, people would be like, oh, Anne's got a new man. She's really got a type. He looks a lot like her old man but <laughs> with a beard. <laughs> well, that's not a type then, is it? Beard's a type, Dave. <laughs> oh, okay. They'd be going, geez, she's really changed. I mean, not in most features, but... Her type used to be guy without a yeah. beard and limp. I didn't know she was into beards. There you go. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked that. The guy with the town beard's like, damn, why didn't I ask her out? Fuck. With the, the guy with the beard. town beard. <laughs> <laughs> we got, yeah, we've got the town gossip Everyone's with the town had a beard. Rod. <laughs> yeah, the town beard's like, hang on a second. I'm the town beard here. Challenges him to a duel. <laughs> to beard off. So he's going for little walks. Even this wasn't enough, and soon he rejoined society as John Jones. Get fucked. <laughs> so John Jones is a real person. He had the same birth year of 1950 as John Darwin, but had died at only a few weeks old. And John Darwin had saw John Jones' grave in the local cemetery with a similar birth and went, bang, that's who I'm going to impersonate. He was a similar age. And also sharing the same first name, if someone yelled out John, he'd instinctively turn around. Right. So... The family of John Jones, are they surprised that their kid, who they buried, what, 60 years earlier, is now back with a limp? Uh, well, they didn't. They definitely didn't know at the time, but uh, they were told years later when this became a big story and uh, they were very upset. Oh. Yeah, I imagine. That's awful. He said, I chose the baby because I didn't want to ruin anyone's life, anyone who was, who was still alive. So that's why he said, I chose that identity. I chose a dead baby instead. It just wouldn't have worked. If it, no, I'm the real you. I mean me. <laughs> like it wouldn't have worked. They would have gone, I've got a lot of proof and a family who knows me as this person. Yeah, well, I'm the new guy in town. <laughs> why did he even need to make up that name? Like, oh, no, yeah, there's a reason. the identity any further? He was able to... This is so wild to me, but he was able to order a copy of the baby's birth certificate by visiting his local registry office. Right. Which seems ridiculous. And then he obtained a library card from Hartlepool in the name of John Jones. So he faked his own death and then joined the local library just six weeks later. Oh, my God. And according to Live Gazette, he convinced the librarian at the library that he was John Jones. She was so convinced that he was Jones that she signed his passport application. The passport featured yeah, him right. with a beard. He even used his real address when filling out the details of the passport. So pretty brazen stuff, but it worked. Why wouldn't you, I mean, why wouldn't she believe him to be John Jones, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, like he's got the birth certificate. But it's amazing that it was six weeks later. So his beard's only six weeks long <laughs> yeah, at not most. Even the beard. Dave, yeah. yours is a few years long and it is pathetic. <laughs> oh, come on. Give me another six <laughs> weeks. Give me another six weeks. Six weeks is not big, bushy beard. Yeah. It's not enough that it would really disguise you. <laughs> no, but did, did I tell you about the limp? It was a pretty big limp. Oh, okay. <laughs> he probably has a hat as well. <laughs> yeah, surely. Put on some glasses, some dark-rimmed glasses or something. Yeah. 
I hope he put on an accent too, did he? <laughs> Hello! Oh, wait, he's already English. <laughs> Mickey Amo, John Jones. <laughs> Come stai? So cozy, cozy. <laughs> so the, but amazingly, so he's already able to obtain a legit passport with a fake name and his photo. He even began turning up at the properties that he owned with Anne, calling himself a handyman, performing odd jobs around the place. And when strangers like tradies would drop by Anne's house, he'd be there and she'd explain, oh, this is just my handyman. But then John would go on to tell them exactly what to do and act like a client. And at least one tradie thought this was a really weird behaviour. He later told the doco team, I even said to my wife, strange people. Just, <laughs> just imagine that in a Geordie accent. It was very funny. Hey, Dave, all we know of Hartlepool so far is that they were convinced a monkey was a Frenchman and that <laughs> that a man without a limp had a limp. I just think there might be a gullible city. Yeah, I think mm. they are. I think they are. And his new identity didn't come without its close calls. He was spotted in 2003 by a former colleague from Holm House Prison. He swore it was John and even reported that he'd seen John to the police. When confronted by the cops, Mrs Darwin told the officers that the colleague must have made a mistake having spotted a, quote, cousin who just looked like him. <laughs> Can we meet this cousin? Nah, they went out for a kayak and they didn't come back. <laughs> wow, that's the, that's the 12th cousin that's happened to. <laughs> At this point, do the kids know? They still do not know. What? How? Are they not visiting? Or when they visit, he runs up his yeah. secret hatch? He hides. Oh, my God. Anyone that would know him that visits, he hides. He's out in the fucking town. The whole town knows that Anne has this random guy called John hanging around her house all the time. With a beard. But when his own children visit, he's like, oh, better hide. <laughs> what the fuck? He wasn't faking his death for the money. It was to get away from his kids. <laughs> Just stop calling them. <laughs> just rem- You can just distance yourself from your kids. You don't have to fake your own death. Have they moved to London or something or what's happened there with the kids? Are they still around? Yeah, uh, I don't know where they were working, but they were working like sort of financy jobs. So I'm, maybe they had moved away to London and that maybe Anne's right. going to visit them. I'm not sure. That's bonkers. But somehow they were kept in the dark. They must feel awful about it when it comes out. You, how strange would you feel? You'd be like, oh, what a relief you didn't die, but is this worse? <laughs> I'd be such a strange... What a relief you didn't die because now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that would be me. In the movie, that's definitely the line they would use <laughs> when it gets turned into a comedy. Let me tell you, uh, there are not one but two film adaptations of this story. And, uh, oh. And uh, not meant to be a comedy, but one Mrs. of them I Doubtfire watched... and... It certainly is. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. They took quite a few liberties with Mrs. Doubtfire, but the basic story is It's a loose adaptation, yeah. The accent is accurate. That's a Hartlepool Hello! accent. Hello! Help is on the way! <laughs> uh, one day John was at a group of flats that he owned and one of the tenants, a guy called Lee Wadrop, which is an incredible oh, name. Incredible. Lee Wadrop bumped into John Darwin on the stairs. He immediately recognised him and said, aren't you supposed to be dead? Whoa. To which John replied, don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> didn't even try. He did not even try to be no, like, sorry? No, no, I'm sorry? John's cousin. Sorry, I'm about what to do go you mean? For a I'm sorry, I don't think we've met. No, he didn't even try. Uh, Wadrop didn't tell anyone, later telling police, 
I just didn't want to get involved. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I couldn't be bothered. I'm baffled and strangely angered by this story. <laughs> Why am I so mad about this? I'm not sure. But I am. I'm really mad. <laughs> Of course, the whole purpose of faking of the death was to avoid bankruptcy and claim life insurance money and access his pension money early. Anne pushed for a death certificate to be issued and because John's battered canoe had been found, because he'd pushed it out to sea, a death certificate was issued despite the lack of body. All up, over £250,000 in insurance and pension money was claimed, which is well over half a million Aussie dollars. So now he's both officially faked his own death and faked his own birth. Because he got a yeah. fake birth certificate, fake death certificate. I reckon now he should fake his death again as John Jones. John Jones should die again. Double indemnity. Can't get me twice for the same crime. <laughs> yeah. Is that what that means? Yeah. If I kill two people, cancel each other out. Double jeopardy. Can't, can't get me twice for it. So, yeah. I mean, that might be in a different country, but still. Whatever. I've seen the Ashley Judd movie. <laughs> yeah, the, I've seen the Ashley Judd Trailer for the movie. <laughs> she did her time. I watched the second half of it once on Channel 9 in 2004. It's an all right film. I actually watched it in gold class. <laughs> Where so. were you? Do you have a curry? Yeah, Jam yeah. Factory gold class. What'd you eat? Yeah, snacks. I, uh, that wasn't the time I had the curry. Okay. That was a different time. <laughs> uh, that was during one of the um, ones with that the bow and arrow Hunger um, Games. Hunger Games. Do you think that if you'd had a second curry, it wouldn't have been bad because it was double jeopardy? Yeah, double curry <laughs> jeopardy, yeah. Can't see each other out. No, I, had a, I remember having it because I was on my peas, I think. I had a light beer and a, a choc top and a hot chocolate. Just living oh. my best oh. life. What are you fucked? <laughs> I drink beer and hot drink. Oh, well, no, separately mix. you go. I'll have the uh, I'll have the beer a third of the way through the film. I'll have the choc top halfway through the film, and I'll have the hot chocolate two thirds of the way. Still through Still all film. sitting in your tum, too close together. That's living the god class life, baby. Oh no, that's living the I'm 18 years old life. Yeah, just my thinking about that's given my 30 year old body acid reflux. <laughs> Anyway, why? What rabbit hole are we down now? I'm confusing two different times. I think that movie came out when I was a teen. That's <laughs> rich. Oh, I thought you were reaching for your phone to try and work out your receipts for gold class. <laughs> no, from yeah, no let me check my Google Calendar. I was that. That was a different. What was that movie when I saw? That I said those things. When Double I said Jeopardy. Those things. <laughs> I didn't have a light beer, but I had the other two. I'm sure. So. Much better combo. Yeah, I'll allow that. The beer was the problem there. Yeah. Anyway, he's got half a million Aussie dollars, £250,000. This is more than enough to clear their debts. They then started selling off their investment properties at a profit and hid their somewhat ill-gotten gains in a web of offshore accounts, which was meant they were able to elude the authorities and the tax man. So many of these kind of crimes feel like more stress than they're worth. Nah, I disagree. I think it's completely worth it because money <laughs> is awesome and let's not forget that um, when you have heaps of it, your life is better and also you can't die and when you do eventually die, you take all that money with you. That's true. The best thing about this plan is 
he gets to live in the attic. It's so good. <laughs> this plan has zero downsides. I mean, he can go on walks. He can join the library. Oh He's living a good God. life. You can never talk to your sons again or yes. ever meet or meet your grandchildren. Yeah. Why didn't they leave town? I don't understand why they didn't move. Well, actually, that's that's a good point, Matt. Now he's debt-free, he's got a fake passport, why not do a little bit of travel? The couple travelled to Cyprus with the intention of buying some land but found that it t- took too long to get the ball rolling on any deals. You know, they're on island time over there, so the fraudsters returned <laughs> to their little hideout. Just wait a bit longer. But living locked down and hidden behind a cupboard for most of your day can be pretty dull. So John had gotten quite into playing online fantasy games. Oh, my God. One of which is called... Fantasy football. I just joined an NFL a fantasy league. Is huh? that what you mean? No, I'm talking about... Or like uh, world... Uh, what are they called? What... An MMORPG. Yes, MMORPG. He, he was playing Asheron's Call, one of the original major MMORPGs. I was going to call them www.games, <laughs> but no, you're right. They're MMORPGs. Technically, I think you're right. He was playing on a PC. <laughs> M.M. Porgies, as I like to call him. One of uh, Elizabeth II's. <laughs> One of her many boyfriends. Secret affairs. We all know <laughs> Elizabeth's boyfriend, Porgy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a household name. Everybody knows Porgy. Now let's stop talking about him. I'm bored of it. Move on. Sorry, we talked a bit about Porgy last week, listeners. Um <laughs> If you missed if you missed what Porgy. that was about. I looked it up. His name is actually Porchy. I was so close. So close. Just the confidence that you said it with was very funny. You, you guys know. We're like, what? And then you you walked back so quickly. <laughs> yeah. I I will walk back anything so quickly. I'll walk back things that are 100 percent true very quickly if anyone shows a fraction of doubt. <laughs> My name's Matt. Matt? Yeah. Wouldn't well, yeah, maybe not. I mean, te- um, technically it is Matthew, but yeah. um, a shortened oh. version of that that I often go by, oh. if that's all right with you, is uh, Matt, Matt, yes. Put her there. <laughs> so he's playing Asheron's Call. According to the game's website, I'd never heard of it, but it's, uh, it is uh, where thousands of players inhabit a beautiful 3D fantasy world to make friends and seek out perilous adventure. And uh, John did make friends and he got talking to a woman named Kelly Steele, a married mother of two who lived in Kansas. Fucking hell, John. What are you up to now, you piece of shit? (laughs) Well, he's always scheming, Jess. He's a wheeler and dealer and the two got talking about how land was dirt cheap where she lived and how good it would be to do up a cattle ranch together. And apparently that was one of his dreams now, was to be a cattle rancher. Of course it was. He'd give her the money to buy it and then she'd buy it in her name. She'd then renovate it and run the ranch and they'd split the profit. And at first she thought that he was joking, but then the money actually appeared in her account. She was like, oh, this goes serious. I mean, how much do you think someone is, oh, I just thought he was joking. I gave him my bank details. (laughs) Just in case. I mean, you pretty much... It wasn't a surprise to you that money arrived in your bank account. She's laughing at and that's my BSB. Yeah, and here's (laughs) my account account number. number. And, um, yeah, lol. Slapping her knee. Uh, Anything else you need? (laughs) Yes, it is Bank West. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, like it's not that much of a surprise, is it, if you've provided those details? Well, the money arrived and she was surprised despite this. She uh, bought a really run-down old ranch, like really run-down. And then John flew to Kansas using his fake passport. But when he arrived, Kelly immediately got some weird vibes from him. Yeah, no shit, because he's a fucking weirdo. (laughs) Well, she later recalled that after he arrived, he went to her house and uh, he went to get changed, but he didn't close the door. And she was like, "Uh, I've got kids in this house. This is super weird that you're just, like, taking your pants off with the door open. So she started getting weird vibes. She then took him to a local hotel and never let him come into her house again. Oh, okay. That's so weird. He just does he, he doesn't know how to deal with people anymore. Is he actually a sex pest? Well, she later told she tells the documentary she's interviewed. She goes, um, "I told him, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I don't know what you do in your country, but in America, we close the door when we t- take off our pants. It's like, yeah, we do that everywhere. Yeah." <laughs> So she was like, I don't want him here anymore. I took him to a hotel. But sadly for Kelly, she was financially tied to this man Mm. and uh, she had no idea that he'd faked his own death and was a total con artist. But she did soon experience John Darwin's dark side. That's because... That's his butt. (laughs) I told you, close the fucking door. (laughs) Uh, Things didn't move as quickly on the ranch as he would have liked. Basically, it was a total mess. The property needed a complete overhaul, which of course takes time, but John was not a patient man. After a couple of weeks, Kelly asked him to go back to England, which he did. Hang on. John wasn't a patient man, you say? No. Like how after a few weeks of faking his death, (laughs) he'd already assumed another identity, was out walking in his fucking village. (laughs) He got so bored, he joined a library. had a fucking library card. (laughs) Yeah, he does it. Oh, he's a patient. He's a very patient. I hate this man. Well, you're about to hate him even more, Jess, let me tell you that. He went home to England, but he kept harassing Kelly with emails, asking why it was taking so long, why Kelly couldn't get the ranch up to scratch sooner. He got more and more aggressive with her until one day he said, I want my half of the investment back right now. But Kelly didn't have the money, couldn't sell the ranch and couldn't get a loan. And that's when things got really nasty. Kelly later said that he threatened to kill her and her family if she didn't pay up. He claimed to know a gangster from New York who would enforce the debt and make sure that she paid up. He emailed saying, this is how unhinged he was, some questions you may think about. Why did my horse get sick? Did the brakes in my car need checking? Was it the Godfather part one where that man's favourite horse got its head cut off? Which is such a wild speculation. It's like, yes, it was the Godfather part one. Yeah, that's him just getting distracted mid-email. He's like... (laughs) Which one was because I want to chuck on a film later today and that's my favourite bit. I want to allude to a threat about cutting your favourite horse's cut off, but was the Godfather part one? (laughs) Was it one or two? No, I love that. It was one or two. I know it wasn't three, but it was one or two. It wasn't. Have you seen seen that scene in the Godfather part one with the horse? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. But it was like, was it that one? Was Was it? it, Which which one was it? Number one? I think so. Let's say one. And he signed off this unhinged email with, let the nightmare begin. He really freaked out Callie but never followed through on any of these threats, thankfully, but she was left very shaken by it. He basically was looking over her shoulder for many months and years after this. His wife, Anne, would later say that John lost £30,000 on the failed deal, so he just left the money in the end. So that didn't work out either. But how about a life not under the sea but a life 
undersea. <gasps> he moved to Sealand. Wow, fantastic. Honestly, you probably could have afforded to buy it at this stage. He wanted to purchase a catamaran to live on and sail around the world. He looked at a uh, 60-foot catamaran worth 60,000 pounds and according to the owner, apparently once belonged to Princess Rainier of Monaco, a.k.a. Grace Kelly, but, uh, which is very cool. So it was very top spec back in the day, but that was built in the 70s. So by the time John was looking at it in the 2000s, the former luxury craft had seen much better days. He haggled and haggled with the owner, then got it down to half price, but John still demanded they throw more into the deal and service the boat and make it nicer. And again, his emails seemed super unhinged and it just got worse and worse until the deal collapsed and the guy was like, I'd rather not sell to this weirdo. Jeez. Okay. So no Cyprus, no Kansas, no life on the sea. But John was not about to give up. And later said he was forever looking at new things and new places on the internet. And one day he just came up with Panama. Oh, John. It's a real scattergun approach. Yeah. It's not like he's, he's got one idea and he's looking at different options in this world. He's gone from being a rancher to living on the sea to now living at a canal, I assume. That's all I know about Panama. <laughs> or, or wearing a hat. Exactly. Ah, yes. Which one is it? It's a both. Oh, okay. Or is it, did he love the Van Halen song? <laughs> yeah, that's the, the third thing that came to my mind too. Panama. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Turn it up. <laughs> so he wrote emails on Anne's behalf to a bunch of real estate agents. And in July 2006, three years now after disappearing, they flew to Panama. They met an estate agent and Anne told her that she was widowed but introduced the man accompanying her as her friend slash partner. This was, of course, John. Her husband. Yeah. Who yeah. is very much alive. Uh, they went to a small town called Escobel, about two hours away from the capital, Panama City, where they were shown a massive 481-acre block of untouched jungle. It had no water, no electricity, but they fell in love with it, hoping they could build their dream home and run an upmarket eco-lodge as well as a kayaking business on the adjoining lake. Oh, yeah, you and your bloody kayaks, John. He's the canoe man. Surely he's the one to take the tours. Think of the marketing. Ranch to the sea to a jungle. Yeah. There's just no thinking going into this at all. Yeah. It's just panic. Yeah, he, he gets distracted by an idea and he just yeah. goes with it for a little while and then changes his mind. And his kids still think he's dead. Oh, yeah. Fuck you. They paid uh, $390,000 for the block and they felt free in Panama. And for the first time in three years, they felt comfortable enough to pose for photographs. They took some in the jungle of the block they were buying and then back at the estate agent's office, the agent and director of Move to Panama, a guy called Mario Villar, asked them to pose for a photo and they didn't have any time to object, so they took a photo with him. They didn't have time to say no. They didn't have time to be like, oh, no. Wait, I think his assistant just said, oh, pose for a photo, now we've signed the deal, and they're just there standing with him. Uh, they also bought a small apartment in Panama City to live in whilst the block was excavated, and Mark and Anthony wished their mum well as she embarked on her new life. Remember, the two sons do not know that their father is still alive. So they think she's there alone? Yeah, they think she's just moved to Panama, having maybe a midlife crisis. They're like, all right, mum, you've been through a lot. What the fuck? Well, yeah. these boys aren't being very good sons either, may I just <laughs> add. Seems like it might run in the family. Okay. Rat family. Being a bit of a piece of shit. <laughs> 
Rats the wow. lot of you. Rats. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can uh, affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, they, so they're in Panama for a little bit and then they went on a holiday to Costa Rica, but then something happened. John flew back to the UK, leaving his wife in Panama. Uh, there's a few possible reasons that he decided to fly home at this point. One is that he thought that he was about to be discovered and he had to act on the front foot. They may have gotten wind that the police had started an, an investigation after a colleague of Anne's became suspicious upon overhearing a phone conversation between the couple. That's a possibility. He also may have learned that Panama had tightened up visa approval when it came to overseas investors. and They were now required to have their identities verified by UK police before they could go through on any more deals. And for obvious reasons, this is something he did not want to do. His alias was okay, but probably wouldn't hold up under major scrutiny. So John did what any reasonable person would do in this situation. Fake his own death. (laughs) (laughs) He walked into a London police station and said, I have amnesia. I can't remember anything before five and a half years ago. I think I am a missing person. The story of a man who was thought dead reappearing after all this time hit the front page of the papers all around the UK and the police had to call a press conference. They said of John, quote, he was in apparent good health, tanned, well-nourished and dressed, which uh, I believe, I think that means well, well-dressed, but it does imply that they're remarking that he was not naked. <laughs> well, I mean, after what he got up to in Kansas. Exactly. 
So the media went absolutely wild for the story and they were desperate to get an interview with Anne who was still in Panama. Panama. <laughs> what year is this now, Dave? Panama. Sorry. (laughs) This is now uh, 2007, in December 2007. So, Jess, you're not quite a journalist at this point. I'm in year 11, yeah. A couple of years away from hitting the journalism degree. Yes. Was this still a big story that you worked on? Yeah, did you get the hot scoop? Uh, Yes. Well, no, because by... Even when I first started uni, I wasn't doing journalism because um, I thought I had I had big dreams that were crushed, and I fell back on journalism. So <laughs> classic fallback. Yeah, it's a good fallback that I don't use. So um, no, this wasn't a story that I was really across. I'm afraid you were beaten, pipped to the post by. David Lee, the first journalist to make it to Central America. David Lee again. Every time with that guy. An ongoing rivalry. Yeah, he gets every time. Not David Lee Roth, singer of Panama. Panama. (laughs) (laughs) That's why she trusted him for the interview. (laughs) He, um, he, He tracked down her apartment and banged on the door at night until she asked him what he wanted. He was just banging, banging, banging. Yeah, it's cool to harass people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's fun. That's journalism. (laughs) Uh, Lee persuaded Anne to talk to him by explaining that before long, reporters from almost every newspaper would be stalking her and camping outside her door. So she consented to an interview and to avoid the other press, they checked into a nearby hotel under false names. Sounds sexy. It does. An affair began. (laughs) Hello, I'm Jessica Rabbit. It's the first sexy name I thought of. Thank you. Anne seemed surprised and delighted that after all this time her husband had been found. After all, her story was that she'd thought he was dead for five years and because of that hadn't spoken to him in a long, long time. But then some more news came to light in the form of an image. An anonymous woman emailed a photo that she found to Yorkshire Police and to the Daily Mirror. It was a photo of Anne and John and their real estate agent in his office in Panama. That's what brought him undone. This sadly proved that Anne knew that he was alive and had known he was alive for at least 18 months. The Daily Mirror published it on its front page the next day beneath the headline, what do you think of this? Canoes this in Panama. Canoes this. Canoes this. In Panama. Is that a pun? I don't get it. It's supposed to be who's this in Panama, but they've used canoe. Canoe's this. Oh, that's. I hate that. So good. I don't think that works. I don't think that works at all. Absolutely does not. That seems like something that you would pull out in the uh, Triptych Club section later in the show. If you panicked and brought that out in the Triptych Club and then I stared at you blankly and you said, like, who's this, canoes this, I'd say, okay, yeah, 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 all right. And I'd continue to hype you because it was a panicked sort of like spur of the moment thing. But these sub-editors, it's their job to come up with titles. Canoes this. Canoes this. So are you telling me that? I should go work for the Daily Mirror. I could do better than them. Yes. <laughs> wow, thanks. Absolutely. Well, you could Dave. do as good. Appreciate that. If not slightly better sometimes. <laughs> I don't really see a difference between your day job, Dave, as the Friday Funnies video producer at The Project and the sub-editor at The Mirror. Both journalism. I reckon I could transfer. I could transfer. Now I've read that. Yeah. Yeah. Canoes this. 
I'm saying it wouldn't be a, you wouldn't be stepping up or down. That would be a, a similar skill set. Side step. Side stepping you know, into uh, into the mirror. All right, I'll apply. Side stepping into the <laughs> mirror. Me. That's beautiful. That's the name of my debut album. Gorgeous. Love it's poetry. That. It's a poetry album. Poetry album. Love that. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so David Lee, who was the journalist with Anne and who had, who won an award for this scoop and later wrote a book about the incident, showed her the photo and asked what she thought. This is like, you know, a few hours after she's given him an interview saying, yeah, I'm so happy that John's alive. Oh, he's alive. That's great. Yeah, great. And now the journalist is like, uh, what do you say about this photo? Anne silently looked at the picture for about five or ten minutes, holding her head in her hands. <laughs> That's a long That's time. So long. That's so long. <laughs> That's such a long Sometimes time. Sometimes in a conversation or an argument, if my partner pauses in thought for like 30 seconds, I want to scream. <laughs> If the, if this was in like a some sort of a, a current affair interview or something, the journalist would be saying, "Take your time, take your time." Five <laughs> you know to this? ten minutes. I'd be like, <laughs> I might just go get a coffee yeah. or something. Anne, I'm really hungry. Could you answer? And this seems like a bit of an overreaction and a little bit ridiculous. Five. Come on. What I would have said is. <gasps> his ghost was there with me. I felt his presence. I felt him. <laughs> I it's amazing that this picture picked that up. Wow. I thought that guy looked familiar. I would have played the ghost card. Ghost card? You want a ghost card? <laughs> I would have just said that's his cousin. Yeah, but then how do you get him and the cousin in the same room? Because that's the first thing people are going to ask for. All right, let's get those two together then. Oh, no, my cousin just died. Yeah, out at sea. Out at sea. <laughs> on the Panama the Canal. The story ends up being like that um the end of that magician movie with all the all those bodies in the basement. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I'm not sure which magician movie you just spoiled, but I'm sure you did one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I was vague about it. So people who know know. Okay. Well, I don't know, but now you've ruined every film for me ever. <laughs> I'll never watch another magician movie. David Copperfield. They're my favourite type of movie. So she looked at it for a long time, five or ten minutes. That's what the journalist later said, holding her head in her hands before finally just saying, I think that picture says a lot, doesn't it? What? <laughs> yeah, I can't add anything more than that picture says. That picture says a thousand words. I don't even know a thousand words, so let's leave it at that. She, uh, she tapped the photo of John and said, Canoe's this. <laughs> <laughs> and the journalist said, I'm not in that Shit, Andy, you've done this. it again. And canoes that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great segment. Canoes this, canoes that. Dave, come on, you you're the pun master. What's or the pun king, whatever you're known as. What's the um what's the better headline here? You're a pun king, mate. I'm the pun master, I believe. What am I? The pun apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> the pun apprentice. <laughs> what Jess, what would what would you do? You're the only one with a journalism degree here. What would you Put up as the the headline. Um, uh, well, I would I would go for <laughs> canoe man found alive <laughs> in Panama. Uh, Wait. Yes. Hyphen. Big old fraud. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Like I don't even need to read the article. Exactly. Man. That's what sub. That's what titles should be. Yeah. Hang on. Fantastic. You, you want people to not read your articles? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's where I get most of my news is from headlines. What about 
uh, you can ooze, you lose. No. That's not quite relevant, is it? But it's, <laughs> it's closer to something than what they did. Way better. <laughs> it's still nothing, but it can is better. Canoes this. <laughs> There'd have to be in brackets what we were doing here, what we were trying to do here. The first really paragraph is just trying to explain the pun. <laughs> what about um, man in kayak says bayak to his old life? Yeah. I think, again, it's nothing, but it's better than what they had. <laughs> Still think mine's the strongest. Yeah, you're, I would go with Jess's if I was going to pick one of the three. <laughs> Probably could trim a few words out of it, but... Well, that's where I agree to disagree. Few too many, few too many hyphens. I love a hyphen. I love them. Now, you might be wondering how this anonymous woman found the image to send to the police and the newspaper in the first place. Well, let I me tell you. that. Let me tell you, it was some Sherlock Holmes-level super sleuthing. Apparently, the woman had simply typed John Anne Panama into Google Images and up popped the photo dated July 14, 2006. Incredible. So the fact that his fake name was John (laughs) is what undid him in the end. Oh, that's so funny. So he had a more interesting fake name. Yeah. Like Fernando Hernandez or something. He wouldn't have been found out. Amazing. Fernando Cumberbatch. Oh, that's better. So, but imagine that you're like, oh, maybe I'll just try Google Images. John and Panama. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Number one result. Well, I'm pleased to report that to this day, if you type John and Panama into Google Images, this photo still pops up. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) You know we're both Googling it right now. So you can have a look at what they look like. John and with an E, Panama. There's also my parents' names, John Ann. <laughs> John Ann Panama. <laughs> he doesn't have a beard. No, he's taking the beard off. In, in Panama, they can relax. So they can be themselves. Wow, what a silly mistake he made there, hey? Like if he still had the beard, you'd be like, oh, that's my cousin, the guy with the <laughs> beard. That's my cousin, the guy with the beard. It's always funny to see him after you picture of people for a while. They look adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and smile. Adorable. Jess disagrees <laughs> based on what the face she's making right now. Strong disagree from me. So the jig was up and now the press were loving it more than ever and Anne was hounded in Panama. The Press Gazette writes about Anne's lawyer, quote, the lawyer suggested that her staff would race off in their five or six black BMWs in different directions with Anne in the last one. It was like the Italian job. The lawyer rang me, <laughs> <laughs> the lawyer rang me later and said journalists were still following her staff. Which Italian job are we talking? Are we talking the Mark Wahlberg one with the minis? Or the Michael Caine. No, we're talking about yeah, the original one, one also with minis. <laughs> <laughs> were they both had minis? Okay, so that was that stayed true. Okay. Older minis. <laughs> Older minis and then the new the Mini Coopers. Yeah, that's right. Charlize Theron as a as someone who could crack safes. Oh, I'm going to watch that again. Me too. Bit of fun. Want to watch it together? Yeah, so, as soon as this is done. Yeah. Let's watch a movie. Let's, let's watch a movie. Chuck it on. Get some popcorn. I'll get a beer, uh, a choc top, oh. hot, hot chocolate. But <laughs> I'll be shitting all night. <laughs> I'm going to have a litre of milk, a litre of fizzy drink. I'm going to do some star jumps, see what happens. <laughs> Just mix it all up in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Matt, what we're saying is you are feral. <laughs> was it, it was a few years ago. I can't, I can't remember what that film was because it was one I watched by myself. Oh, I get sad. In gold class and I felt like a fucking king. No one else was there. It was on like a Wednesday afternoon. I was wagging uni. Living like a king. Living like a king. One light Cascade beer, please. Light beer. <laughs> king of the world, baby. Was it the Titanic? Wasn't the Titanic? Well, it would have been in the 2000s. Was it one of your favourite magic films? <laughs> yeah, I'll say no more. So Anne flew back to Manchester and was arrested as soon as the plane landed on the tarmac. Police came on board and nabbed her. What a scene. She had to face the police, the press, but probably worst of all, her sons, who now knew that she'd lied to them for five and a half years about their oh dad being God. dead. And at first they'd been absolutely stoked because their dad had seemed to come back to life and they even called mm. their mum up and said, you're never going to believe it. Dad's oh. alive. And she had to be like, oh, no, true. no. Oh, my God. No. No. I can't believe it. No. no. Who? Not Who? Your dad? No. <laughs> I don't, what? I don't remember. Who, who's your dad? And John's talking in the background. Shh, John. Shut up. It's the kids. It's the rats. <laughs> the bloody rats are at it again. I got the rats on the line. <laughs> uh, by this time, John had also been arrested for fraud. And soon the couple had to come clean. John's amnesia magically disappeared and they both gave detailed interviews about how they'd gotten away, this is with police, how they'd gotten away with such a big lie for such a long time. John Darwin claimed that he'd always planned to come back and repay the insurance money once he'd sorted out his debts. He was like, why else would I come back? But, of course, the question is, if you did have honest intentions, why did you lie and pretend to have amnesia and why did you have that property you'd spent all your money on in Panama? What was all your money in secret offshore accounts? You don't have, <laughs> you don't have the money to pay back the insurance because you've spent it all in Panama. And he's like, nah. I came back to do the right thing. He's just like he's lied for so long that he doesn't know what the truth yeah, is he anymore. He can't tell the truth. He's the opposite, Jim Carrey. <laughs> I can't truth. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, their sons issued a statement saying that they'd cut off all contact with their parents and that they'd never forgive them. The sons had unwittingly helped transfer the fraudulent insurance money into offshore accounts in a way they were lucky to not get implicated, but the police believed their story of innocence. Ugh. The brothers said that they'd gone from the height of elation at finding him to be alive to the depths of despair at the recent stories of fraud and these latest pictures. So they were really upset. Oh, Fair sucks. enough, yeah. Conspiracy theory. Yes. The boys were in on it, oh. but the parents said they weren't to protect them. Honestly. Could be a thing, maybe. Yeah. I mean, is there anything, any proof to suggest that? No, and the, the police had did come out and say, hey, we've interviewed the sons and we'd like to say that we don't consider them sus suspects. Right. Well, I guess that's the thing. It's plausible deniability. You know, the parents could argue we were trying to keep uh, stop you from being a part of the fraud. Yeah. Maybe. But still, surely you'd be upset. Oh, 100%. Oh, my God. John Darwin was charged with obtaining life insurance money by deception and making untrue statements to obtain a passport. All up, including the fraud and the search and rescue when he first disappeared, he was looking at a £1 million bill. So he owed a lot. Both the couple were convicted of fraud and after admitting deception, 
John was sentenced to six years and three months in prison. Anne Darwin, who denied the fraud but was found guilty, was handed an even longer six-and-a-half-year term. So she got three months longer because she didn't plead the guilty. Her lawyer obviously thought she could get off. Yeah, but there was no chance of John getting off. But, yeah, she she, she got more jail time. John Darwin oh. was released on probation in January 2011 and Anne Darwin was released in March 2011. So they spent about three years behind bars. The entire £501,000 in life insurance and pension payouts received by Anne Darwin had been recovered, part of which involved the sale of the two properties in Panama. So they did pay back the insurance and the, the pensions. Whilst in prison, Mrs Darwin decided to separate from her husband after seeing a psychologist. That's probably a good call, yeah. Did she found the psychologist real hot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she left him for a psychologist. <laughs> Oh, we don't talk about any of that stuff. I just uh, just met him just met him at a bar. Uh, she always maintained that John was the mastermind and had bullied her into the plan and then it just totally spiralled out of control and then she was just trapped in a massive lie. She told the BBC in 2016 that she felt blessed that both sons had since forgiven her, which is very nice. So she's got a relationship with her sons and she, as of 2016, works for the RSPCA. Okay. Yeah, right. Her ex-husband, John, is still occasionally in the tabloids and is never painted in a very good light. In 2013, he was arrested for breaking his bail conditions after taking an unauthorised trip to the Ukraine to meet a woman. So that's the Guardian's way of describing the situation. The Daily Mail went for a less subtle headline. See if you reckon that we could write a better headline than this. I never want to see canoe con man again. He's just a sleazy old man, says Ukrainian blonde, 25. He flew 1,700 miles to date. That is one headline. Yeah, it's wordy. That's more in the Jess mould. <laughs> Get it all in there. So excellent. Yes. There is, there's one uh, little hyphen in here, Jess. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I do like a hyphen. I would say something like canoe man flies to Ukraine for love is rejected. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's better, honestly. Because why do they always bring in like that she's blonde and what's her and her age? Dumb. That's what the Daily Mail do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, gross. Who cares? The key points are he's gross and she wants nothing to do with him. Yep. What about the original uh, Panama headline? Uh, canoes this. Yeah. What if it was? Oh, canoe, I'm busted. <laughs> oh, canoe. Like new instead of oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so it's maybe like a oh, slight, canoe. I don't know what the Canoe, I'm busted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah good. Like that is good. Australian sort of accent. There. Oh, canoe. Oh, canoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kaskuru. <laughs> What about for the Ukrainian headline? It's just a picture of him with a woman and it just says, canoodles this, question mark? And the answer is no. <laughs> she rejected it. Uh, as of January 2021, he was reportedly living in the Philippines with his new wife. So he's he's moved on. Well, that was always his passion. He always wanted to be in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He hadn't quite put From his finger on it yet. But... dot, he <laughs> said... Darling, I wish to live in the Philippines. That was the dream. That, <laughs> that was, was the why dream. they did all of this, <laughs> to fulfil his dream of living in the Philippines. I accidentally said that my dream was to own a ranch in Kansas. I accidentally said my dream was to buy a giant yacht, but really 
It was all about the Philippines. Yuck. See, money ruins people, and that's why I'll never have that much of it. Ah, but you won't be ruined. <laughs> well, choice. mentally, my psychologist would disagree, but... Oh, oh are you dating a psychologist? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it would be cheaper. I reckon actually if I could choose, I would I would I think it would make the most sense for me to date a chiropractor. <laughs> that would save me a lot of effort and money. Yeah, right. Okay. That's the um that's the practitioner I I frequent the most. Why don't you just um you know work that backwards and get your partner to learn chiropractic? I've asked. <laughs> I've asked. Trust me, I've tried. No? Not interested? Not interested in, you know, the many years of university, whatever. Sorry to hear it. Thank you. Well, speaking of uh, us watching uh, movies together, uh, this story has been adapted a couple of times. I think it might be a pretty big and well-known story in the UK. Um, I think it kind of reminded me of like something like, you know, like Chappelle Corby where like there's heaps of tabloid stuff about it and we all know about it in Australia, but overseas maybe it's less of a big deal. Um, Right. But there was a TV movie called Canoe Man in 2010 on BBC4, which, which you can watch in its entirety on YouTube, and I encourage you to do so because the acting is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> is it a comedy? <laughs> I don't think it's meant to be, but I found it very, very amusing. Do, they, do the boys do the line, I'm so glad you're not dead because now I can kill you? <laughs> I don't know. They, they didn't say that. They missed out your line. Disappointing. Uh, the film starred Bernard Hill, who played Captain Edward Smith in the Titanic. Remember the captain of the Titanic that goes down with yeah. the ship? Yeah. And oh, Saskia yeah. Reeves as John and Anne Darwin, respectively. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to watch it. It's very, very funny. But more recently, this year, 2021, an ITV four-part miniseries was in production called The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe. Did you write that title, Jess? It's pretty good. Uh, this one stars Eddie Marson as Darwin and Monica Dolan as Anne. So it's not out yet, but I assume that it will be out sometime soon. Do we know any of those actors you've mentioned? Uh, the guy from the Titanic? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I think you would probably know stuff that this. I looked up Eddie Marson's been in a bunch of stuff. He's an English actor, been in a lot of things. I was expecting to say because it's an English like daytime movie sort of thing that it was going to be like Peter Andre and Jordan. Reuniting to play yeah, right. some of it. <laughs> what a reference. There's some people I haven't thought about in a long time. <laughs> Still big in the in the UK, I believe. It's a different world over there, isn't it? With their Jordans, <laughs> their canoe men. It's a different world over there, isn't it? In there. In there. In there. <laughs> A beautiful world, a world we want to go back and Gorgeous visit. Gorgeous, please. If you if you haven't seen it, we put out our um, on our YouTube channel. There's a, a little tour video from when we went to the UK and Ireland a couple of years ago. Uh, getting a bit of love. It's just a pretty. It's a bit of a gentle, nice watch in these uh, COVIDy times. Put together by John from Joyzy, which uh, I think you did a you did a fantastic job. Gorgeous. Uh, so that brings me to the end of the report on the canoe man. Great what? report, Dave. A goddamn story, Dave. Well done. Little golf claps for you. I did think, I'm like, when you said canoe man, I'm like, this is going to be boring. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was wild. And also, like, fairly early on it was like, yeah, so anyway, he faked it 
And and I was like, how much further can this story go? And we're like yeah. 15 minutes in. Yeah. And then it just kept going and I was like, what is happening? Yeah, it's such, he just made so many wild, strange choices. Yeah, really, really baffling. And honestly, I hate him. And it's amazing he got away with it for so five and a half years. It doesn't sound like they yeah. were careful careful in any way. Like, no. And he handed himself in. Like he definitely would have got away with it for a lot longer if he didn't do that. Yeah, if he just stayed in Panama and laid low. But he thought, no, 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 I'll be able to get myself out of this. I'll just pretend I've lost my, you know, my memory. Yeah, he was, he was Homer Simpson with his legs <laughs> in the quicksand. I'll get these <laughs> out with my hands and I'll get my hands out <laughs> with, with my, my face. face. <laughs> so I think that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, the fact, quote, or question section, or really broadly it's just a section of the show, the last 20, 30 minutes where we thank a bunch of our great supporters. These are the people who keep the show going. Uh, we can't thank them enough. That's why we dedicate this last section of the show to them. But we have a little fun while we do it. And I think that's the key. And uh, you can um, support us uh, in a couple of ways. If you go to uh, patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com, you can sign up on either of those places. And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different levels. Some have bonus episodes. Uh, we do three of those a month. Um, they're always great. I reckon some of our best episodes are, are the bonus episodes. And you get voting rights. Dave, was this a free choice maybe? Oh, this was a free choice, yes. But Jess and mine at the moment uh, are voted on by the Patreons. And, uh, yeah, all sorts of different rewards. There's a Facebook group which is the uh, sweetest corner of the internet. I, I realised last night it's the only place online where I'm sincere is in that Facebook group. <laughs> if I have ever thought about something that I like or something sincere, I go, I'm going to go uh, post about it in the Facebook group. Isn't that a, I don't know if, what that says about me, but um, it's true, I think. It says you're a big old cutie pie. That's what it says. <laughs> so the, um, the first thing we like to do is go through some facts, quotes, and questions. Uh, if you're on the Sydney Schoenberg level, you get to uh, give us a fact, a quote, or a question. We read them out on the show. It has a little jingle, this section that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. He always remembers the ding. Uh, so, yeah, if you get uh, involved on this level, you get to give us a fact quote or question. You also get to give yourself a title. First up this week we have Jamie Ladello, who's given himself or herself the title Jamie, I guess. My friends call me James, but I guess just Jamie for you guys. I think it's a guy now that I read his name is James. All right. Uh, James, or Jamie, sorry, has given us a fact. And the fact is... There is a genetically modified variety of peach called saucer peach, which was made to be easily stacked in a kid's lunchbox. What? <laughs> That's wild. Saucer peach. I've never heard of that. No. Love it. Sometimes scientists do things, they ask themselves a question, can we do it, when they should ask the question, <laughs> should we? Mm. Yes, I did watch Jurassic Park this week. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at them. They're flat, stackable peaches. That is so funny. That is a scientist who was one day annoyed when packing the, their lunch, their kids' lunch and just took it yeah. way too far. <laughs> yeah. He flipped the lunchbox across the room and said, that's it, put on his coat, lab coat, and went in and got to work. Oh, Jamie, that is a fantastic uh, that is a fantastic one. That's uh, Jamie's first fact quote or question. Welcome to the club, Great work Jamie. bringing uh, that to my attention. I had no idea about it. Yeah, I think they should do that for all foods. Make them all stackable. Yes. The next one is another fact. It comes from Siraj Pierce. Uh, 
uh, whose title is not white, Anglo-Saxon or Protestant. I'm not. Sometimes I don't know what the, what the title references, and usually it, it comes clear in the fact. Let's see. Here is Siraj's fact. Boring fact. Figs aren't fruit. Technically, they're inverted flowers. Huh. That is boring. <laughs> now that's good. That's a good fact. I like that. We're getting that. a lot of fruit facts here. This is amazing. Yeah, I love this. Dave, Let's keep this theme going. You're the, you said bore, you're the one in charge of uh, boring facts. Is that a boring well, fact? I think the thing is because I'm quite boring and I like little tidbits like that, so I actually find that fun. So it's not boring for me. So that makes it boring. Yeah, I think if I like it, it's probably boring and I do. Yeah. <laughs> I like it a lot. Because I'm a fun person. And I dozed off for that. <laughs> Siraj, I'm on your team. I'm on your side. <laughs> uh, my specialty is uh, the Grim Facts, and that's the next one Siraj has offered. Grim fact: most figs used to have a dead wasp inside them because some fig trees need wasps to pollinate them. The female wasp crawls inside to pollinate the fig but can't get out. Luckily, the body is broken down by the fig. <laughs> oh, oh. That is a grim fact. Oh, they can't crawl out. Gross. It's one-way valve. And finally, uh, the fun fact says probably neither of the above. (laughs) Jess, what do you think there? Um, I think it was all just absolute dog shit. No, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a bit of fun. Is that fun? In general, that's fun. That's fun. He put it together in a fun way. Yes. Don't know what the not white Anglo-Saxon or Protestant References to the, it's probably from something. Well, he talked about wasps and the uh, acronym for white Anglo-Saxon Protestant is oh, wasp. Oh, thank you, thank you, Dave. People would have been yelling at the yeah, iPod people, there. People, I'm so glad you saved yeah, me. Yeah, people there. often shorten that to wasp. Wasp, right? But he's a wasp. Noir. Wasp. <laughs> Thank you so much, Siraj. Next one comes from Isakio. Another first timer here. Isakio is given the title. Uh, themselves the title of Executive Director of Stamp Licking for the Christmas Card Mail-Outs. <laughs> a very important job. Yeah, tough one. Don't know if you want that job, to be honest. It's, You'll um... have a very dry tongue by the end of it. If I was you, I would try to make a game of it, see how many you can do in the first hour and then uh, see if in the next hour you can beat it. Can I go now? <laughs> <laughs> so Azakio's uh, asked a question. What are each of you handy with that family members ask you specifically for help with? Zakia's uh, given an answer here, but firstly, do you two have anything for this? Oh, a, a few times for family and friends from my sister and my dad have run uh, trivia nights for their sort, of, their sort of staff for where they worked. That makes sense. Some of you have the, the yeah. go-to quiz guy. I'm not very practical. They're not like, oh, come around and build something. They're like, hey, can you ask yeah. my staff some questions? Yeah, that's funny. That's a good one. I'm I'm doing a uh, running a trivia thing just after this, Dave. But I I think I have a similar thing. Like a my brother in law is a builder, and I was, and he's like, you know, I'm you know family. If you ever need any help with anything, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you get in return? Mm. <laughs> I've, I've got nothing to give you. Yeah. He's like, you you give us you give us laughter. I'm like, but you he'll like you'll come and see my shows and he'll pay for tickets. I'm like. At least let me put you on the door. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Stop being so supportive and also helping me out with other stuff. It's ridiculous. Same with my brother who's a plumber. Like, yeah, I've got so many people in my family who are useful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely the last ones to board that plane to Mars, I think we are. <laughs> <laughs> like on The Simpsons where they're, they're in the, the shelter for a meteor coming to them and they've got to work out who go to the future. Crossy's like, well, we'll need laughter, so that's me. <laughs> yeah. Puts himself down first. Whoever's in control of the list, that's the most yeah, powerful that's right. position Well, there. I've got the pencil, so number one, Dave, okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. How about you, Bob? Do you have, have one? Your um, family come to you for? Yeah, help with their phones. That's <laughs> yeah. always me. Just because I'm the youngest. You're young, you're hip, um, right. cool. Yeah. I'm obviously quite a lot younger than my parents and I'm uh, seven years younger than my brother, so oh. I'm the youngest. You're younger than your parents, unlike uh, Mark and Anthony in our story today. Michael Anthony, of, of course, Dave, bass player for Van Halen. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> There was one time my brother and my dad were trying to do a. Uh, they were doing some a load of washing, and they were they were putting something in the dryer, and they couldn't get the dryer going. And they were like, you know, they're they're the ones who can do everything, in their heads. But they they especially around the house they can fix everything. And when something goes wrong, they can fix it. And they couldn't get the dryer going. And I was a teenager and I walked in and it was the dryer was broken, but they didn't know that because they never did washing. Um, and you had to sort of get the the barrel of the dryer moving first. So you had to like put your hand in, push it to get it going, slam the door shut and then it would start. <laughs> so they're, they're like fighting over stuff, trying to get it working and little teenage Jess walks in, flicks it, slams the door, the dryer starts going and I just walked out all casual and they both went, that was very cool. <laughs> you dropped a match behind you. <laughs> and all... I really did was put the dryer on, which I feel like I'm sad that that's the thing I did that was helpful. I feel like that, you know. I love that as like, um, yeah, I'm really good at with uh, technology. I help my parents. So they, they're not real tech heads, so I help them like get the dryer yeah, working. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, pretty technological stuff. Pretty helpful. you got to um, manually start the dryer. Um, but, yeah, otherwise I'm useless and they know that. I'll occasionally get... Um, uh, questions about kinds of beer. Okay. <laughs> you want a tip for a nice kind of beer? Is that anything? Yeah, that's helpful, I guess, yeah. Yeah, pretty, like I say, last on the plane to Mars. <laughs> hey, we need beer in the future. That's true. Um, Azakio answered the que- the question saying, I'm the go-to person in my family for tech troubleshooting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty boring. Maybe you are always able to recommend cool restaurants that no one else knows about or master of filling out forms and weaving through bureaucratic nightmares. Uh, my dad was always good with that stuff, bureaucratic stuff. He seemed to enjoy that almost when I would be pulling my hair out as like an 18-year-old having to start doing tax yeah. or whenever, however old I was and he just uh, he'd whip through it. I think he might have taught accounting at one point or something. So My dad with a spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, my God. And a budget. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. If you need help with a cash flow, John Perkins. <laughs> I think our dads might be pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for that question, Azakio. And finally, from Roy Phillips, uh, who Roy's given himself the title of the Sheik Seek with 66 six sheep. Oh, <laughs> I think you tripped me up there, Roy. Well done, which I assume was your... Goal Roy is offered a fact. The fact is, there is a Starbucks inside the CIA building. However, the baristas are not allowed to write down the names of the agents anymore. Whoa. So how do they know whose coffee is who? 
this coffee is for the guy in the uh, <laughs> in the suit. The, the, the suit. <laughs> the guy with the aviators in the suit. Am I picturing the right kind of officers? So here? maybe you just like get a number or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. That's really cool. Good fact. That's cool. That's cool. That's a good fact. All right. The other thing we like to do is thank a few of our long-term supporters. Uh, Jess normally comes up with a little game here. You normally say something based on the report and we give everyone a little thing. Yeah, that is true. That is normally what happens, yes. Um, I'm struggling a little bit. What, uh, what Do you guys have any idea? What about instead of a canoe, how did they escape? How did they yeah, fake their own death? Yeah, that's good. What's their mode of transport? Brilliant. We had a, we had a canoe man. Who do we have here? Uh, do you want me to kick it off? Yeah, go on. All right, Jess, I think I could feel you were feeling inspired, so you give us the first one, all right? Well, hang on, I want to clarify. Is it like, what? so is it a mode of transport like canoe man or is it like how they faked their death? I think, I mean, obviously it's it's pretty tight, the rules we use for this part of the show, <laughs> so it's important. Just we, go for it. Just see what I think my we just go says. for it, see okay. what happens and let's just feel it out. All okay. right, so if I could kick it off. From Ride in New South Wales in Australia, it's Rhiannon Neal. Rhiannon Neal faked her own death by uh, riding a ride-on mower off a cliff. (laughs) But what uh, witnesses did not see is that she had a parachute on, landed on top of a jet ski, round. The port <laughs> to a boat to freedom. That is the coolest. It was very cool. Rhiannon, that is badass. It was badass. Also, people will talk about after your death, like, oh gosh, she was so nice. She was always mowing that cliff. No one else wanted to yeah. do that. <laughs> no one wanted to mow the cliff because it was very dangerous. And I thought it was weird that she left her glasses at back at the farm. I'd also love to thank from Cincinnati in the great state, God's country, Ohio, United States, Liz Shockey. All right, Liz Shockey, what about segwayed into a volcano? Segway, yes. But was saved by a hidden bungee cord. Yes, and the volcano was an elaborate fake as well. Paper mache, one of those like science yeah. class ones. <laughs> I was gonna say it was mostly bicarb soda and some food dye and yeah. stuff. Throw in the Mentos. <laughs> and finally, for me, I'd love to thank from Court and Hills in Victoria, Australia. It's Emma and Matt. Oh. Emma and Matt. Emma and Matt together. What about a, a bike with a side cart? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, that's it. That's that's how they faked their death. Bicycle with a side cart, and they just ride it off St Kilda Pier. <laughs> And keep riding. It actually floats. <laughs> yeah. And then once under the water, the penguins take them uh, to Phillip Island to start a new life. And people were like, they clearly wanted to win the Birdman Rally. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. they died doing what they loved. <laughs> These are all international references everybody understands. They're from Croydon Hills. They'll get it, I hope. Thanks, man. Oh, man. Birdman Rally, that's an international thing, I think. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Culture. Uh, Culture. Would you like me to thank a few people now? Go for it. Uh, from please. Liverpool now, I'd love to thank Jay Johnson. Jay Johnson, he uh, floats off into the sunset on an inflatable beetle. Uh, oh. I think it's Ringo. And <laughs> an inflatable Ringo. <laughs> an inflatable Ringo, but Ringo gets a puncture 
and he goes under the sea into a yellow submarine. Oh, wow. And makes his getaway. Very nice. That's beautiful. Oh, if they're yellow, they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind yellow submarines, but other submarines, dumb. (laughs) I would like to thank now from Mitchum (laughs) here in Victoria, Dan Marshall. Dan Marshall. Dan Marshall. What about uh, he tobogganed into a tunnel Yeah. and then only the toboggan came out the other side. Oh. Well, they couldn't be bothered looking for him. <laughs> they went. So he just waited till everybody left and yeah. then he just came out. He was like, this <laughs> was tragically so much easier than I thought it would be. Turns out it was very simple. Oh, I guess that's easy. Huh. I knew Dan Marshall, you toboggan straight into my heart, mate. Straight into my heart. <laughs> I would love to thank also from Colorado Springs in Colorado, would you believe, oh. Peter... Dodson. Peter Dodson actually dodged a bullet by faking his death. Oh. By riding a Dodgem car. But he dodged a bullet in a Dodgem car. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then he somehow dodged our eyes and we didn't see where he went. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And everyone was like, where'd that Dodgem car go? No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> I'm your Dodsy. Um, can I thank some people? Please. Well, from destination unknown <gasps> and surname unknown, <gasps> I would love to thank Jonah. Jonah Moleman. We can <laughs> Jonah Moleman. Deeper than the fortress. <laughs> um, how would Jonah have uh, faked his death? Jonah faked his own death by he he did it exactly the same as Krusty the Clown did, Dave. Oh. Can you f- refresh my memory there? When uh, he went uh, on the plane, I'm on a roller gay, and then uh, cr- crashed it into a mountain. Mm. But then what he really did was secretly he jumped out onto a, yeah. a, a, a mattress that he'd placed, but he missed the mattress and went slam into the wall and fell onto the mattress. <laughs> And then Chief Wiggum said, hey, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Oh, my God, a horrible plane crash. Gather around, gather around. Don't be shy. Plenty room, gather around. <laughs> Chief Wiggum, he's honestly terrible at his job. He's so bad. He's so good. Has anybody ever noticed that? Oh. He's really bad at his job. Now you, now you pointed it out, actually, you're right. How did he get to be the chief? He's a shocker. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I would also love to thank from Bassingstoke, probably just said that wrong, in Hampshire, Great Britain, John. Ooh, cult, uh, Coutelier. Oh, I love that. Love that. Fantastic. Coutelier. John, another Coutelier. John. Oh, my goodness. Um, what about John ran so fast on a treadmill? People yeah. thought they couldn't see him, but really what? he just disappeared and it took the what? gym six hours to notice. They're like, oh, the John, John, he's the Flash. He's so quick, that guy. We always call him the Flash around here. And then he was running so fast on a treadmill that they couldn't see him and nobody thought that was odd. That's what they thought because he's so quick, but really they got to the treadmill and found, hang on. He's not here. There's no one on this treadmill at all. Dave, that's wild. And in the meantime, he'd started a new life in Panama. <laughs> Panama. Panama. <laughs> some, some sort of ghost treadmill? Spooky. Oh, play the ghost card. <laughs> That's 
wild. So wild. John. John, John the Flash Coutelier. John, that's that's insane. Um, finally, I would love to thank from Cheney in Washington, uh, Nicholas Sparks, I can oh. only imagine, is the author. <gasps> that would be cool. So thank you, Nicholas Sparks. Uh, he blew himself up. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. But um, like just a big like uh, 4th of July sort of bonfire full of I don't really know what they do for Fourth of July, but big bonfire full of firecrackers, yeah, and uh, whatnot. And he he goes, "All right, I'm just going in here to light. I'll run straight back out." He what he does is lights a slow fuse in there and runs out a back door that no one could see into the woods, never to be seen again. And then it all explodes, and they think it was a real downer for that Fourth of July celebration for those who were there to celebrate, but it did. I mean, there were a lot of witnesses, and he he got away with it. Yeah, honestly, so, a lot yeah. of, a lot of these people you, you forget they've uh, they've bummed out a lot of people by faking their own death, but they did it in such <laughs> yeah. amazing ways. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I should say they all tell their kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's all right then. Rule number one: tell yeah. your kids. Tell your kids. All right, and that leaves us just with the last thing to do, which is to induct two people. Uh, this week into the Triptych oh, two Club. exclusive. So to be in, involved in the Triptych Club, you just got to uh, sign up and keep supporting us on the shout-out level or above for three years straight. Once you're in, you're always in. You're in the Triptych Club. Welcome aboard. Uh, it's a beautiful place. I'll read out your name. Dave will welcome you in by hyping you up with some sort of loose wordplay on your name. <laughs> oh, can lose this. Or location. <laughs> <laughs> Jess will give him a little tickle because Dave needs to feel good too. I'll give him a tickle? Little tick, little metaphorical tickle. Oh, okay. I don't have to touch him. I don't have to no. touch him. Oh, Please God. don't. A gloves on if you do. Um, <laughs> and Dave's only booked a band. You booked a band for this week, Dave? Oh yes. Um, yeah. Hold on. Just just checking the contract, making sure it goes through. I don't want to do you uh... forget that we do this every week. <laughs> there is one band we kept mentioning today. I don't know if it'll. Be, it probably won't be them. It nearly never is. <laughs> The obvious one. <laughs> yeah, it never is. Uh, sadly, we couldn't get Panama uh, singers, uh, <laughs> but we could get... Uh, Panama singers. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> we could get Livin' G, a pop rock singer-songwriter from Hartlepool, baby. Oh, great. Looking forward to hearing that. Put a word in and ask you them to play Panama. You mentioned one a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> Dave, you, you said chimp... Dead Chimp or something, and I was listening. They've got an album out this year, and it's good stuff. Oh, I love I've it. Been, I'm into it. Jess, you normally come up with a cocktail for inductees. Anything this week? Yes. Everything is served in a canoe. Oh, yeah. Big drinks. Big drinks. Uh, You think fishbowl cocktails are big? (laughs) Check these back. And then after I'd already ordered a shit ton of canoes, someone was like, why don't we just make like little mini canoes or like fashion food into canoes? Like, you know, and I was like, well, that would have been a great idea to flag with me before I'd paid mm. for, honestly, a metric shit ton of canoes. So yeah. they are full-size canoes. Um, but after you've finished your drink from them, if you do live through that, um, then you you have a canoe. <laughs> to fake your own death with, if you want. If you want, or just to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously that's an that's option what, as well. Some people also do that. Enjoy going on a canoe. Whatever. But more often people use them to fake their own Yeah. So see it as a gift from me if you do live through that gigantic alcoholic beverage. If you're smart, you'll get a (laughs) non-alcoholic beverage in it. 
All right. Are you ready, Dave? I'm ready. Two. It's two here. So you've no time to warm up. You just got to go get straight into it. Come on, Dave. All right. Here we go. Firstly, from Fraser in the Australian Capital Territory, it's Emily Mills. Oh, guys, you know, tonight is about three things. Thrills, spills, and Emily Mills. Yes! <laughs> and finally, from Lexington in Kentucky, which I think is uh, cocaine bear related, <gasps> it's Perry Ritter. Oh, Perry Ritter, never bitter, never fitter. Here's Perry Ritter. Oh! <laughs> Thank you so much. Good night. David! That were your best yet. Yeah. Thank you. I think I was inspired by the Daily Mirror and their articles and their headlines. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome in Perry and Emily. I think Lexington, Kentucky was mentioned in the Cocaine Bear episode and maybe even in the Transy Heist episode yeah, as well. Yeah, it rings a bell. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for everyone for joining us. Uh, if you want to find us, you can find us online at Do Go On Pod on, on the social medias or do go on pod.com. Support us there or at patreon.com slash do go on pod. Our email address is do go on pod at gmail.com. Uh, if if you want to support us, that's fantastic. If not, if you can't, maybe tell a friend. Yeah. Share us around. Let's help get the word out there. That's the other way to keep this podcast uh, ticking along. It's uh, way less fun to do if no one's listening. Dave, if you want to boot this baby home. Hey, all the things he said, one more time, do go on pod.com for clickable links for all that stuff. But until next week, I'll say thank you so much and goodbye. Laters. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.